Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I look for pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Let's pray. Father, as we gather around your word, we ask for your Spirit's help in understanding all that you have revealed to us and all that you have done on our behalf and for the sake of this world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Several years ago, I met with an older friend to discuss several things that I was working through. And he looked at me and he said, Chuck, there's an important distinction that I want to make for you about life that you'll find very helpful in the years to come. He said, there are observations and there are interpretations. Observations are the things that we see, the events that we observe. It is as it happens. And there are interpretations. That is our understanding of the event, the meaning we assign to it said we always must keep those two things in mind when looking at anything. And when it comes to the passion of Jesus, it's no different. We observe what happened. It's not disputed by anyone, historians, or anyone who really takes these matters seriously, that there was a man named Jesus. He was from Nazareth, and he died on a Roman cross, perhaps rather unjustly. This is what we observe from history. But of course, there have always been many different interpretations. What does it all mean? There have been various perspectives about the meaning and imprint of the story. From Pilate's perspective, 
the Roman perspective. This was a dreaded and awful, but yet important day. Pilate hated the Jews. He preferred to spend his time at his palace in Caesarea to be away from the city of Jerusalem, but it was Passover time. This was a politically loaded situation, and so it was important for Pilate as the governor on behalf of the Romans to be present in the city. There was a strong military and political presence by the Romans during the Passover because, you see, thousands and hundreds of thousands of Jewish pilgrims would come to the city of Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, remembering the great day when God redeemed the people of Israel out of Egypt. And when they remembered that day, they were also anticipating a day when God would redeem them once again. And so during the Passover, there were always revolutionaries, men like Barabbas, who would stir up the crowds and incite rebellion against Rome and call for revolution. And so this was a complicated day from Pilate's perspective. His main goal was to keep the peace. That was the way that he could then have political success in his career. That was his main objective. He found nothing wrong with Jesus. He knew that he had done no wrong. But in order to keep the peace to quiet the religious authorities. Pilate was willing to turn Jesus over to them, even release someone who was guilty. This was Pilate's perspective on these events. Then we have the Jewish perspective, particularly that of the religious authorities. For them, this was an important day because it was the Passover feast. They would remember and rehearse the details of God's great deliverance of them. And in the middle of their celebration, there was a troublesome prophet. He came from a backwater town called Nazareth. He didn't have the right credentials, and he had stirred up the crowds. He'd caused a great deal of trouble, in fact, for them. Just a few days before, he had come in and cleansed the temple and made some very public statements defying their authority. Because he didn't have the right credentials, they weren't going to back him. If the crowds got too stirred up, then the Romans would smash the city, as they did some 30 years later. And so for the religious authorities, their interpretation of these events was that they saved the city from trouble. They had Jesus smited. They took him off the scene because he was nothing but trouble. And these are perspectives, they are interpretations of the events that unfolded on the day of Jesus' death. But it's important for us also to consider God's perspective on these very human events that unfolded through a political process. Because there is an outside, unaccounted for element at play in the death of Jesus. And this is what Christians have maintained for some 2,000 years. Consider these words from the Apostle Paul in Romans 5. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, 
though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Simple truths about God's perspective, His interpretation of the events of Jesus' death. Because what we read is that people normally don't die for others, even people who are worthy. Barely for a righteous person, barely for a good person, someone would dare to die. But God sends His Son into the world to die for those who were His enemies. Paul is making the point how much greater is the love of God than that even the greatest of human loves we know. That God does so for those who are ungodly, those who are sinful, those who are separated from Him, and that being all of His images that He created who rebelled against Him. And there are two simple truths being affirmed. Our unworthiness, our sinfulness, and God's graciousness. And this is the way that it works. Leo Tolstoy is a novelist, 18th century, 19th century Russia. He has a collection of short stories that are absolutely wonderful. Recently, I read one entitled, Where Love Is, God Is. He tells the story of a very simple Russian man who was a cobbler. He lost his wife, and then he lost his only son. He became cynical and jaded, but then one day he was converted. A monk visited his house, and he began reading the Gospels and all of the Bible, absorbing it. He couldn't get enough of it. As the story goes, as it unfolds, his workbench was by a window, and one day while he was working away on a shoe, he noticed an elderly lady. She was coming from the market, and she had over her shoulder a large sack, and in her arm was a basket of apples that she had been selling. She got just in front of his shop window where she needed to adjust the large sack, and so she put her apples down. When she put them down, a small hand appears from the side of the window and grabs an apple. The elderly woman was still with it. She grabs the sleeve of the little boy who was stealing an apple out of her basket. She then begins to scold him. She knocks off his cap, and in order to get a better hold, she grabs him by the hair. (laughs) And so she has him by the hair on the street, and she's yelling at him about how indecent it was for this child to take advantage of an elderly woman. Martin witnesses all of this, and then he goes out, comes out of the shop to intervene. He needed to step in. He asks the elderly woman whether she would forgive the little boy. She said no. She was going to take him to jail that he needed to learn how wrong it was to do this. And she responded to Martin with these words. She says, you'll only spoil little devils like him that way. He needs a thrashing that he won't forget for an entire week. Martin responded to her, 
And he said this. He said, that may be our way, but it's not God's way. Martin then paid the elderly woman for the apple, and he handed it to the boy. And the boy breaks down crying, begging the elderly woman for forgiveness. And friends, this is a very simple picture of the gospel, of someone paying for something that we don't deserve, of someone reconciling something wrong that we've done, And then us receiving it, being caught and arrested by the beauty and the goodness of the gift and turning from what we were doing that was wrong. That's the simple perspective, the simple interpretation of these events. Of this great event of Jesus' crucifixion, this is what it comes down to. And where do we stand Are we like the boy, now sobbing and begging for forgiveness because we've been bought, and we recognize that we've been bought, that we've been saved by another, delivered from something? That is the perspective God calls us into as we meet and encounter His great love. As we drop into the somberness of the story, we recognize that there is a deeper truth at work here. Through all the politics, through all the machinations of the first century world between the Jews and the Romans, God was saving His world. God was saving you from your sins. This is what it all means. Let's pray. Father, as we read and reflect We ask that you drive these truths into our heart. That even if we've heard them over and over for years and years, that you make them fresh and new, and that you rekindle our first love as we know what it is to be loved all over by you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.